Welcome to the North Lakes Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Oswald. Today, we talk about grief with Jennifer Hodson, behavioral health therapist at our clinic in Iron River. I tried to edit out the lawnmower that appeared outside our window. Hopefully, you don't even notice. But our conversation was going so well, I didn't want to interrupt it by asking them to stop. I think I made the right decision. Let's get right to our talk with Jennifer. Jennifer, Jen, Hodgson, uh, it's really nice to meet you. Thanks for being here. Um, do you mind introducing yourself? Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. My name is Jennifer Hodson. I'm a behavioral health therapist here at North Lakes Community Clinic. And what does a behavioral health therapist do? So a behavioral health therapist is a mental health professional who um, works with individuals who are struggling with um any variety of symptoms. So anything from depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, adjustment to changes in their lives. Um, We kind of provide a space and an opportunity for people to um, process thoughts and feelings, um, find new ways of coping and interacting in their environment. So just so that they can, you know, go on and function in a healthy way. Be happy people. Yes, yes. Nice. And so today we're going to talk about, uh, I wanted to talk to you about grief. So this is something that you deal with frequently, that people with grief come into your office? Definitely, definitely. This is such a great topic for us to talk about today. And so what what is grief? So it's interesting. Um, you know, when I think about what is grief, I did a Google search <laughs> to see, you know, uh, per Google, grief is a deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. And I thought that was a really interesting definition because I feel like that is the definition that probably most of us operate from with regard to grief. But I feel like in my experience working with people, grief is so much more than that. And often, um, is bigger and more than even just coping with the death or loss of someone in their life. So for me and my experience, um, personally, as a behavioral health therapist, you know, grief can be, you know, anything, the loss of anything that really was close to us, important to us, um, and doesn't necessarily have to only be the death of a loved one. It could like a relationship is one thing that comes to mind. Yes. Yeah. It can be a relationship. It can be um, a job. It can be a move. Uh, it, it can be any anything that really we held close to and no longer have. So really, I mean, if I were to maybe all, you know, kind of edit the definition I found on grief, um, I would say it's a deep sorrow caused by a loss any loss and does it can they can it kind of pile up i mean it can't be like right now i'm grieving the death of my mother i'm but tomorrow i'm grieving the loss of that ice cream stand i liked or or, or is it can it be an accumulation that's a great question i feel like it definitely can be an accumulation of losses and i feel like especially if you are experiencing multiple losses at in in any given time that can be incredibly profound and um deeply deeply sorrowful sorrowful for an individual and what are so what like what i mean i think we all know what it is i mean i've i've had it i don't know if you have it you you know but like so what are what are some symptoms or what are some feelings or or what is actually kind of happening in the body yeah. Oh, goodness. So, so many things. And it's probably as varied as each individual is varied. You know, grief is really a universal experience that, like you were saying, you know, you know, you've experienced grief. And I would say it's a, an experience that all people have experienced at some point in their life, if not multiple points in their life. And, you know, grief, how we experience grief can be, it can really be just as varied. You know, some some people will feel profound sadness and, you know, maybe they're they're crying. They're very emotional, um, find it hard maybe to be around other people. Um, and then other people um, may be more angry 
or irritable and really uh, quick, quick to anger around others and have a real low um, tolerance for anything frustrating. Um, and, and then other people, uh, you know, I hear some people say they go, they feel numb. They don't feel anything. And so um, they, they feel concerned by that. And so um, it can be very varied among different people and how they experience. Uh, everyone grieves in their own way. Is that a, yes. I, I mean, I think we've all heard that. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. I think that is a very true comment. But what is interesting, though, from the people I see who come into um, my office is that they are very concerned about how they're grieving. And there's almost this idea or thought that there's a prescribed way to grieve. Um, I know there's a very popular, and many people know of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's, you know, five stages of grieving, um, the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I have many clients who will reference that. And um, some become very concerned, you know, because they believe I, I, I'm not in this stage or I have been in this stage, but I don't believe I've experienced this stage before yet. And so there's kind of this idea that there's this right way to grieve and that there's these stages we must go through in order to grieve effectively and, um, and be done. And I think that really speaks to maybe our human brains. Um, we like to find meaning. We like to, um, have resolution. We like, you know, we get that sense of completion and ready to move on. And also grief is really a challenging experience. So I think for us to think, okay, I get through these stages, I'm going to be great. I'll be fine. I get to check. Okay. Um, anger done. Got it. Sadness. Cool. Got that out of the way. And then what's the next one? Okay. Let's work on that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Jen, can you help me on just that acceptance part so we can knock that out? And then I'm going to, then I'm going to move on and go on vacation and it'll be great. Does that work for some people? I mean, that, um, I mean, I like, I don't think that would work for me, but like, right. I mean, does that like, like, okay, cool. I got it done. And now I'm able to move on or. Um, I, I think, I think maybe in the short term, it may feel, I, I think it gives us a feeling of control. So, you know, when we're in a grieving experience, we're not feeling in control um, a lot of times because that, that person or that, um, that life we were living is now significantly and irreparably changed. So I think we're feeling very out of control. So I think these stages sometimes feel really nice because it it puts it in order. (laughs) It gives us something to do. So you feel like you're in control and you're right. Then you get to the end and you think, okay, now we're done. And I think my experience has been, we're not really done. Um, And, and people, I, I've had many clients who, who look at me who are very upset by this fact of, wait a minute, what do you mean? What? what? And, and I think and maybe there's another experience of grief at not being able to be done, quote unquote, grieving. Um, so, yeah, so I would say it may give a, a short term feeling of doneness or completeness. But it's really more a function of finding control in the middle of a situation that's really uncontrollable. Well, and a little helpful, I would guess that you can, it kind of does label what you're going through. You know, it's like, so maybe it doesn't make you feel so alone or it was like, this isn't irrational that I'm feeling these things like other people felt it. It's on the list. So I'm not out of my mind. (laughs) Yes. There's some validation. Yes. You don't, you don't feel as crazy as maybe you feel like you are in that uncontrollable moment. For sure, it does help to have some names for what we're going through and what we're experiencing. And so, sorry, I, I think I asked you like eight hard questions right <laughs> in a row there, and you kind of did talk about like one of them was. So, what is have we been able to or define what is going on in the body? I mean, is there a chemical a chemical thing that's happening, or what, what's happening in the body? Well, I can say um, loosely, and I'm pro- I'm not going to get too in depth of it because I'm gonna not sound like I know what I'm talking about. But I I do I do know the research is that there is some changes in the brain that are occurring when we do experience grief. And typically it's because so when you're you're speaking, I'll use the death of a loved one. You know, 
our brains are relationally connected. We're connected to that other person. That other person is there for us. We go to them that, you know, there's this connection. And so when that connection is lost, our, our brain is what, 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 what do you mean? And there's where the, nope, I'm going to see them walk through the, I'm going to see them walk right through that door. They're not really gone. Um, or, or you may hear people say, I feel like a part of my body. I, I feel like I've lost my right arm. Yes, because there is that connection that happens, you know, and so our brain is trying to figure out a new way, new connections need to be made, new ways of being, because I can't call that person. If that person was my support or my, my go-to or wait, what, what do I have to do? Um, and so our brain is really seeking now to find new ways. And so there is a physical component that happens, um, to grief. It is not, I mean, we're all intertwined. There's not this separation of, you know, our emotions are separate from our, you know, our physical being, all of it is integrated. Everyone in their life is going to experience some grief one way or another. It's just, there's, there's no way around it. It's a, I'm going to guess that you're going to say it's a, it's a natural thing. It's like, we all go through it. What, where, or what, how should someone, or when should someone say like, you know what, this is getting a little too much for me to handle. I'm going to call North Lakes Community Clinic and I'd like to see somebody about it. Cause I, I have some emotions that I'm not able to handle on my own. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think as a mental health professional, I'll say there's never a wrong time to call to seek the, the consult of a, a professional. Of course. However, I think, yeah, if you're considering your own situation and you think, goodness, you know, it's really hard for me to function. I'm I it is not it's not any longer. I'm grieving and this is really hard. Now I can't I'm not eating. I'm not going to work. I'm not, um, I'm not getting out of bed. I, I am finding myself uncontrollably emotional and I can't, I can't make space, space to set that aside to get done what I need to get done. I think those are the times when it's really important to then, um, maybe call and, and make an appointment with a professional to see, is this getting to be too far? I think any time when, when we're experiencing challenges in, um, meeting our daily functioning and our daily abilities, I think that's a time, you know, um, and certainly that's going to be, I guess, on a spectrum, probably for most people, you know, most people, you know, it's not, it's not a cut and dry, um, I guess, uh, recommendation, but I think if you're really worried about your ability to function, or maybe even you get feedback from others about, um, their concern, you know, it can always help to reach out and, and talk. Yeah. So anytime, really. I, yeah. There isn't anytime. like a, there is, and it's like going to be different from you than from me. Yes. And it's just like different people need different things. Correct. So it's not a thing of like, you know, if you're not up and back at work and ready to go in two weeks, you need to see a therapist. Or, or if you're still grieving in six months, um, you need to go. There's no time frame. It really is when you notice it's really significantly impacting your ability to do what you want to do and live the way you want to live, then yeah, it's important to, to get in. And I'm going to guess that you um, probably see people for 10, 20 years down the road. They're like, wow, this is now all of a sudden more than I can handle. Yes, for sure. Because here's what we know too about grief is that we're never truly done grieving. So this is where those five stages sometimes can feel like they kick us in the butt a little bit. Because maybe initially we feel like, yep, checked them all off the box, Jen, I'm good to go. See ya. Um, which is good. But then, right, then you, then, then 20 years later, um, something happens and your thought is, oh my gosh, if this person were here, oh, and it hits you really hard. That's grief. That's grieving. And, and that doesn't, so it doesn't go away. Um, and it, doesn't mean doom and gloom. I mean, I think sometimes we we associate grief and doom and gloom. So of course we want to get that that done and move on. And so when you hear things like, well, it doesn't really go away, um, that sounds de depressing, quite honestly. 
um, because that's exactly what you would like it to do. However, if you think about it, you know, when we lose some something or someone very important to us, that will never be okay. That never is like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, I don't even think about that anymore. Well, you know, no, absolutely not. That's a that's now a part of us. Um, so really, instead of looking at the grieving process being done, a lot of people call it closure. They'll say, you know, I've got closure on that. Um, and um, sometimes that can be self-defeating. If we can look at grief more as an evolution, you know, grief evolves over time. So initially, when I experience a loss, I may be devastated, absolutely devastated. Um, and then over time, it's a little less. And I'm able to move on and do what I need to do. And my life evolves. I find new meaningful relationships and connections with others. Um, but that loss never is undone or gone away. I just may relate to it a little differently. Um, so I think that can be a very hopeful thought about grief, um, that it evolves over time. And it doesn't mean it has to be intensely painful and devastating for 20 years. But there may be some triggering events that occur that we could never uh, predict or be aware of that hit us. And we think, oh, it's still there. It's, you know, it's still there. You see a movie or like a, yes. even a cup. Yeah, it could be any. And like, I'm going to like, I don't like to go too far out of my lane here, but I'm going to say, I'm going to guess it's like the brain is like, hey, we used to go down that road. Yes. And wait, that road doesn't really exist anymore. Right. Oh. Yes. Yes. Huh. For sure. And are there... Um, are there things that like that people may be experiencing grief? So there are things that they do that they might not recognize as grief. Yeah. Oh Does my that goodness. make sense? For that, sure. Yeah. Yes, because I see this a lot of times in my office. People will come in and they're not coming to me for grief. They'll say they'll come into my office and they'll say, you know, Jen, I'm really I'm angry. I'm just angry all the time. And I'll say, okay, so tell me more about what's going on. And they'll say, you know, I've, I worked for um, 30 years uh, in a career that I loved. I retired. I had, they had a great party for me. It was wonderful, you know. And um, I'll say, okay, so, yeah, what are you doing now? And, you know, now I'm home, you know, and, I, I, you know, I'm around my family all the time and all that. And, and they're like, and, but I'm angry about that. Why would I be angry about that? And it's like, you're grieving, you're grieving. And I get this look of like, wait, what? You know, you just told me you left, you left a career after 30 years and maybe, and maybe it was on their terms. Maybe it wasn't on their terms. Maybe they couldn't do the job anymore. Maybe there were changes, whatever, but they left something that maybe they really completely identified with. And so now they're in a situation that they love. It doesn't mean they don't love their family. It doesn't mean they don't want to be around their family. And it doesn't mean that that retirement was a negative event. But there's that disconnection that happens. You know, I was so identified with my career and what I did, and it was fulfilling, and I enjoyed it, and now I don't have it. Yeah, there were and all those relationships that were there, and, yes. and like so again for thirty years, you built yes. up that pathway in your brain, yes. and now that road's not open anymore. It's not there. The road's huh. closed, uh -huh. and now you have to find a new way. You have to literally find a new way. And so that anger, you know, it's like yeah, you're irritated and angry. That that road is not open anymore. That road's <laughs> always been there. What right. do you mean it's not open anymore? <laughs> um, so, and but we may not recognize that, and and I think. Pauline Boss calls this type of loss an ambiguous loss. So it's it's not a loss associated with the death of a loved one. It's it's a loss of uh, a career maybe that we were completely identified with or um, or a move, a significant move, um, so that we are we are now disconnected from something that we had once been very connected to, and so that can be very powerful. Um, even you know we're still in the midst of a pandemic, and you know that experiencing that has caught, triggered a lot of grief and loss for many people, in addition to losing loved ones, but in our everyday way of interacting and being. Um, so that's a very valid. Um, 
purpose for experiencing grief and loss that a lot of people don't consider, you know, because like when we go back to the beginning of um, our talk today, and we were talking about, you know, the definition of grief, it really is tied to the loss of someone close to us, the death of someone close to us. It's um, we don't in general terms, think of it as maybe a close friend moved away. Maybe we moved away or left a job or a divorce. Um, it can be any of those events trigger feelings of grief. A, a child going away to college. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, definitely. Pets. Yes. Oh, the oh, loss of pets. Sorry. Oh, yes. Yes. Sometimes we feel those even more deeply um, and powerfully for sure. But I think there is, you know, this this idea that somehow if we are experiencing grief that is not related to the passing of a human being close to us, that that we're that something's wrong with us, that we're crazy. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, um, I'm so I'm 51, and I like I don't know what what you just said made me think of this, but I'm like already like in a way starting to feel like there's things I can't do that I used to do, yes. and like it kind of bumps me out. Yeah. So I want to say it gets me depressed, but like maybe it's like a, you know, it's that like I'm not able to do those things anymore. It's a yes. bit of a, a, a maybe I'm grieving You're those grieving. the good old days. Yes. <laughs> I can't play soccer like I used to. Yes. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jeremy. That's such a great. A great example. I think that is another example of a loss. Yes, our loss of ability to do the things we once did with ease or at all, and the um, or maybe even the the grieving of the life we thought we might have. Because I know I I sit with many people who say, you know, Jen. I am 50 and you know, I'm not where I thought I would be. I really envisioned this life for myself and here's where I am. Wow. I mean, that's a grief. Yeah, 50's not like you're not. No. You're not. You're 50. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Which I I don't want, I I love and I am I am going to play soccer again. Yes. I, but but it you know, but I know like you just like Whatever. There's different ages for different things, but yes. I, that that is ringing a little true to me. Like it's like, well, this is it, huh? Right, right. It's it's all downhill from here. <laughs> yes. I, and, I, I, yeah. Yes, but that's a really good point because I also work with a lot of individuals who struggle with chronic pain, and it is very much that same story. They um, are experiencing some chronic pain, maybe due to just some physical injuries or um, or whatnot that kind of happened to them, and they they're not. Not the person they were, you know, I work with individuals who say, you know, Jen, five years ago, you know, I was, you know, taking care of business. You know, I I was whipping things done. I got everything done by 9 a.m. and I, you know, whatever. And now I can't get out of bed without piercing pain all the time. And it's and that's a grief. We're grieving who we once were. And now we're being required to find another way. Uh, you know, again, it's that uh, the, the brain figuring out, OK, I can't do that anymore. Maybe I still can, but I may have to do it differently. And I think we struggle sometimes as humans. We don't want to do that. We don't want to change. I've always been doing it this way. What do you mean? <laughs> right? What are you talking about change? I don't want to do it differently. I I could do it this way. This has worked my whole life. <laughs> yes. Like, come on. Right. For sure. And uh, oh, that's so like, I, I love it. Like, and again, like it isn't just we had kind of started like it was a loss of a person, but here we are. Like it's, yes. it could be loss of anything. Yes. <laughs> it's a loss. Um, so another, like, I'll kind of just branch out a little bit here. Is there a difference between like, uh, um, like a, a sudden loss, let's say like an accident, like an unexpected loss compared to, um, kind of a long-term illness or an aging where, um, I, I feel like is that is that a different type of grieving? Like it can like it like when you can see it sort of happening. Oh, yes, yes, 
Yeah, it is. And and there is a name for that uh, anticipatory grief for for the for the individual who is maybe going through the illness and then also the person who's maybe caring for the individual who is going through the illness. So this sense of anticipatory grief is that we're aware that um, changes are coming, changes are happening. Um, And so we're grieving similar to what we talked about before, grieving that we're not able to do the things we did before. And we're then watching a loved one or or are that loved one experiencing these changes happening to us. So yeah, we're very much going through this grieving process um, as we're going through an illness or caring for someone who is going through an illness. Definitely. There is... However, from from the research I've done or read about is that once that individual passes away, it doesn't necessarily change the intensity of the grief or um, the difference in the grief experienced. Um, and a lot of times maybe also associated with some more feelings of guilt on the for the individual who is still living, because there may be thoughts of I could have done more. Why didn't I do this? I had this amount of time I was caring for them and I never did this for them or I never said this to them or um, I didn't ask about that that, or why didn't I think to get that or um, or or guilt or anger towards others, towards um, the doctors. You know, the doctors knew we've we've been struggling with this for years and you know it they could have done something what about this they never considered this um and then it also brings on um uh, uh, just these other questions of powerlessness and helplessness and feelings of we could have done more even though logically we may know we c- we couldn't i want to go down that road yes <laughs> yes and there's that Come big on. barricade and if i could have like i could have been down that road even now <laughs> yeah and i think the longer that we're caring for somebody who is ill i think the more though those feelings can be compounded because we think I had all that time. What did I do? What was I doing? You know, oh, come on. Why did I like leave that one day? Or, Wait, yeah. Why did I decide I needed to go to work? Why, why didn't I stay there? Or why didn't I do more of this? Or, you know, we ask those questions of ourselves and, and we, we really beat ourselves up. Mm. For sure. So when you uh, um, kind of going back to that example of the person that had the 30 year career and um, when you are able to share with them that, hey, I think you're experiencing grief. Is that uh, do they feel relief that there's kind of like they were able to pinpoint it and they're able to work on it or and and like I'm sure everyone's different. So but how does that go? Are you able to give them some relief once they you're able to label it? Uh, You know, I would say yes. I feel like when I when I say to them, you're grieving, it is that they look at me like, like, wait a minute, what? Like, they're unsure. And then when we talk about it a little more, they're like, oh, my goodness. I never thought about it that way. This is usually universally what I hear. I never thought about it that way. And so when when we talk about it more, then it's like, all right, well, let's find another way. What was it about what you had done before that you found very fulfilling and very empowering? And what are your options now? And how, you know, how do we give honor and space to to what you've done before and what is yet still ahead of you? So I think sometimes just being able to acknowledge what it is we're experiencing, validating it, um, and then honoring it rather than than trying to push it away and uh well that's ridiculous and uh i need to move on or whatever i think when we're allowed to hold some space for that i think then suddenly it's like a ton of bricks falls off our shoulders and then we can figure a new way out oh that's what it was yeah that's what i hear oh wait a minute (laughs) yes um so are there other things that if people are just so um you know, like a loss of a loved one. Like, I, like that's kind of one example where you're able to help people. What are some other things that you're able to do to, to help people experiencing grief? You know, I think 
I'm not. These aren't trade secrets. I hope I don't want to. Not at all. <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness gracious! No, <laughs> okay. no, no. There are no. These are things, and and really, they're things that are very accessible. I think to any of us, there we can find challenges in in these things, but um, but ultimately, I think they're really helpful. the the first The first thing I would say is giving ourselves permission to grieve. I think for some people that's really hard because, um, you know, a lot of times in our society that, you know, it's you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you get moving. And, you know, and sometimes that's a generational um, belief system as well. You know, no, you no, I'm not going to sit there and hold space for that. No, I got to get back up, get to work, get things done and and we'll deal with that some other time. Um so that can be challenging, but I think if we can give ourselves permission and sometimes having that counseling hour can be that time, you know, because I have a lot of clients who will come in and they'll say, man, the stuff I think about and talk about in this hour, I never, I never think about these things the rest of the week. And I feel so good. I wish I, <laughs> I wish I thought about these things more often. But if you think about the, the counseling time that's spent together, it's solely dedicated to that and giving permission to feel and think whatever it is without judgment, without any bias. It's just saying what we're thinking and feeling and letting it be there. So I think if we can give ourselves that permission, that's a first step to really moving through this evolving piece of grief. And unlike maybe a family member where there's like baggage that goes along with whatever conversation you're having that can go to like so many different places that when someone speaks to you, it's like, no, you're not going to have to worry about this in an hour because I'm not going to throw it back in your face. (laughs) This is like a nice safe space for you to talk. Completely. And yeah, completely. And it's not to say that family can't be helpful because certainly, yes, family and our family connections, you know, are incredibly important and con- and finding connection during grief is very, very important. I think though sometimes, and I'll have people tell me this in our sessions, you know, they'll say, I know my family loves me. <laughs> I know my friends love me. But some of the things they say to <laughs> to me are not so helpful. (laughs) And so, and right. So, I mean, I think so so there is value in connection and those connections are super important. And I think it's also really important to understand the limitations sometimes because yeah, other family members may be experiencing the same grief you are and they're moving through it too. And so they're navigating some really challenging emotions um, that that they're struggling with. And so it can be hard. And so coming to counseling and talking to a completely neutral individual can be super helpful in that. And not just for grief. And so the, and the other thing is that I know that, you know, traditionally like after a loss, like I will just say it with a death, Right. The first week or two or month or whatever, there's going to be people around. There's, you know, things you do and like all this happens. And then what happens when all that kind of like everyone else has returned to normal, but you you're you're not normal. Right. You're like now what? It's that silence that falls. And it is it's it's I think very profound with when we lose a loved one. I think it's I think it can also be profound with any big situation a retirement a move yeah, well, whatever there's a lot of fanfare yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, right. uh-huh. and there's a lot of things going on and then we're busy and all that and people are around and okay okay and then right the dust settles and you're right you're sitting there and you're now sitting with whatever road closure that occurred you're sitting at that road closure and you're like oh my gosh now what do i do yeah and and it's it's silence yeah. And what, so what um, what's a good thing to do or are, are, are there good and bad things? Let's say I know someone who's experienced a lot like I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to like witness a retirement, I guess, as an automatic loss. Like, right. how's it going? Yeah, right, <laughs> you know, right, right, but, right. But I will say with a with a with a death. Yeah. Um, pet, loved one, whatever. What are some, are there good things to do for that person? Are there bad things? I mean, and I know everyone's different, but are there some like definite maybe do's and don'ts? You know, I think it's always helpful to check in. If you're, if you're wondering about a friend and you're thinking, I wonder how they're doing, you know, of course, 
you can give a give a call, send a text, a card, come over, stop over, you know, depending on the nature of your relationship with that individual to say, hey, I was just thinking about you. How are you doing? You know, are you are you free for lunch? You know, um, I think you certainly can check in that way and um, follow the person's lead. You know, the person may say, you know, no, not really up for it. Not ready. Okay, no problem. You know, we'll talk later. I think I think one of the things to really shy away from, and this is feedback I've received from people I've worked with who've been in these situations who said, you know, I, you know, I was talking to my best friend and she was telling me she knows exactly how I feel. She knows exactly what I'm going through because she experienced the passing of somebody and and they get very angry. They're like, no, 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 not the same. It's not the same. And that can make people really upset and angry. They know it's coming from a good place. People are trying to connect, um, but maybe using phrases like, oh, I get it. I understand exactly where you're <laughs> it, it can feel, uh, you know, uh, um, I don't know. It can rub people the wrong way. So so I think checking in and just saying, how are you? You know, do you feel like meeting, getting together? Is there anything you need? And they can accept it or not. Exactly. You know, or, or yes. maybe just like even like you don't need to necessarily talk about the event no. just to like, hey, you know, this road's still here. <laughs> yeah. It, yes. This road is still here. I am still a connection for you. And maybe because the other road is closed, maybe that connection becomes a stronger one um, for sure. Yeah. So I think it's very important to let people know we're here for them in whatever way they need. I think and it is very important to respect what that other person's needs are. Um, and right, it's not about just talking about the event, you know, because before it happened, you probably talked about all kinds of things, you know, and it's okay to talk about other things and and let that person know that you're still there for them. Mm. Yeah. Um, and what, what about, I like, are there don'ts? Like, I don't, I'm, I'm going to guess. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe it would work, like, you know, like you got to snap out of this, oh, yeah. you know, like, oh, yeah, there's I, another phrase to probably yeah, yeah, avoid. Right. You know, like, I, I, that's not helpful. No. Right. No. <laughs> OK. <laughs> it does not I, feel I'm trying to helpful. think an example. Maybe it is like. Right. But, In what way could it be? Ex- yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, I'm going to say it's probably as a general rule, not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah, yeah, snap out of it. Don't you think you've grieved long enough? Uh gosh, it's been 2 weeks. Gosh, it's been 6 months. Come on, get over it. Um And then you yeah. like you said like use that example. You know, like my brother died right. and I yeah. like 3 weeks later yeah, I, was I was back fine. to like blah blah blah. Yeah, and I and we were real close. You know how close we were and I was fine. Mm. You should be more like me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what about, uh, like, do, is there anything special about children grieving? Um, you know, is it like how, I don't know, I guess I'll just say that. I think you know what I'm asking. Yes, for sure. I think it's so important. Yes, because children grieve too. And I think sometimes we, as adults, we can, we're very much in our own grief and then it can be very hard to understand. And a lot of times we'll think, oh, they're young. They don't understand or they don't get it. But I would venture to say at to some degree, they understand there's been some change. And at the very least, they see the changes in us as adults. So maybe if they don't understand necessarily what's happening, they may see I'm very sad or I'm spending a lot more time sleeping or in my room or quiet, or maybe I'm more angry and I put up with a lot less. So they notice changes. And I think it is really important to help kids move through grief and allow them space to talk. So giving them opportunities to say, what have you noticed? What do, what do you see is going on? What What's happening for you? And allowing then the child to have a space to talk about that um, and to say what it is they notice and to have conversations, allow for conversations. I hear a lot of times kids will tell me, um, we don't talk about that. Uh-huh. And it's hard. And so you, you move uh, down the road. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so giving them the space and allowing them to be able to say how they feel um, and letting them feel safe in doing that, helping them to feel safe in doing that. And I think I, I've got I, I had a, a, you know, pretty good friend die, you know, and I, and I was never super close with their child. And it's been a few years. But like 
I, I don't know. Like, I'd like to think that I'd just like to be like, hey, I knew your dad. I knew yeah. your mom. I knew that person, you know? So, like, yeah. is there a... Like, what's a role in that situation? You know, like, what's your, I guess, like, kind of like, like, you just sort of, like, lob it out. The, lob, that's a weird word. You, yeah. you bring up the subject, yeah. and if the child wants to grab yeah. on, they could. They can. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, I always feel like it's okay to ask, and the other person will let you know, whether it's a child or an adult, they'll let you know, mm. Nope, don't want to talk about it. And I think as the other person is really important, we respect that. So, I mean, I think sometimes and maybe particularly with children, you know, we'll say, you know, you can talk about you can talk about this. And they say, um, I don't want to talk about it. You say, come on, don't hold in your feelings. Let's talk about this. And that like, I'm really, you know, <laughs> it's important if we're telling children that it's safe for them to talk about their feelings. And certainly if they say they don't want to right now, we need to respect that and say, okay, well, if you decide later, just let me know. I'm going to go do something and you can come find me. Right. You know, and yeah. you know, especially if it's I don't kind of like an ambush, you know, yes. hey, you know, maybe you haven't like thought about this in months, but like right, I'm right. bringing it up right now because I want to talk yeah, about this. And, I want to talk about it. <laughs> and so, yeah, and that is really important for us to recognize where we are in our own grief about things too, to say, you know, um, where am I? You know, I really am feeling the need to talk about this. And, you know, and this I didn't bring up, too, when you were talking about different things that can help us move through grief. You know, there are some wonderful support groups, you know, that are available um, that people can become a part of to where they can find other individuals who are going through similar situations, similar losses, and have a space to kind of process all of this um, and and maybe talk through some ideas. So it may feel a little less intense than counseling counseling and provide the kind of connection that they need um, without, you know, just ambushing or going in, you know, their family and friends. Um, But that can be also tremendously helpful. And um, maybe being a group, like being able to like be there for someone else that's going through it can like give you a little bit of relief as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, because again, when we're grieving, it can feel very, um, like we're very out of control, like we don't have a lot of control over what's happening. And so sometimes if we can become a member of a support group, now suddenly I can help someone else. I can be there for someone else who's also grieving and I can also then get the support I need as well. So it can also give us a little bit of sense of that, that groundedness that maybe we feel like we're missing. And like maybe that non, not, not non-judgment, like, like there's no strings attached in that right. group, you know, you're not yes. going to like... Uh, have to like answer to it later, <laughs> right? If that's right. if that yes. makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's a little. It gives you a little more space. It's a little. Um, it may feel a little safer and not so intense. Yeah. And we we did kind of go on and say like everybody does do it a different way, <gasps> but there are similarities. Yeah. You know, there are like you know if you're speaking to someone that's you know lost a parent, lost yes. a child, you know that the or a spouse, you know like. You can find some common ground, and that does need to be a little bit of relief. Yes. Like, I'm not the only one that's experienced this or going right. to it. Yeah, I, that's so super important. Yes, for sure. It's a, it, They're very similar experiences. But, right, how we um, maybe present them or how they maybe manifest in ourselves may be different from each other. But, yeah, I mean, the, the intense sorrow, the sadness, the feeling lost, the feeling like you don't know where to go next – you know, that road, you keep trying to go down that road that's closed and you you don't understand why you keep going there. You know it's closed, but you keep wandering down it anyway. Um, those, I think, are very valid feelings that are probably very common for most individuals, but maybe how they present themselves may look differently. And so we don't always notice that commonality until we stop and talk about it a little more. And I'm going to guess like that kind of time period we were talking about sort of after the pomp and circumstance yes. circumstance of an event, then that's a really probably a great place where a group is like, I'm still feeling this. Yes. Hey, you are too. Or you felt it. Or you know, you've been here before. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Just to get some of that validation that, right, there's not, that there's not anything really wrong with you. There's not something you're doing wrong. Yeah. Hmm. Man, what a... I feel like we could talk forever or, or kind of leave <laughs> yes, it here. Yeah. Um, did uh, Is there anything else that you think we could talk about or you'd like to speak about? Gosh, I don't know. I feel like we did cover quite... Uh 
a breadth, wide breadth of um, um, aspects of grief. It is such a large topic, and I feel like it could be talked about for a long time. And I feel like it deserves to be talked about. It's you know, it's important. It's a it's a universal experience that we all share at some point, and often at many points throughout our lives. And if we can talk and be more open and find support and connection, I think, gosh, that just eases eases our new way, new roadway <laughs> that we're trying to find. Yeah. And yeah. so that is, those are kind of some of the good things about grief. Yes. What else? Are there any like, I mean, what what about someone that doesn't ex- appear or, or it, should someone feel guilty about not experiencing grief? Like, you know, like oh, I've yeah. heard about people do this and that and like, I, I'm not feeling that. Am I normal? Yes. Oh like, my like, gosh. What about, what about those folks? I do. I have people who will come in and they will come in after a very significant loss and they'll say, I didn't cry. I didn't cry. And I think I'm okay. I feel okay. That's okay. I mean, I think just recognizing where you are and understanding that maybe, you know, maybe you'll experience it different down the road. Maybe something will happen. And then that's okay too. Because again, there's really no right or wrong way to experience grief. I think it's really just recognizing and noticing how you're feeling, how you're experiencing, um, giving yourself permission to feel whatever it is you're feeling um, and allowing it to be. But yeah, some people don't have those intense emotions right away, but it may show up in other ways down the road. And if they like okay i recognize what this is yeah this is okay and they can keep going but yeah not everybody is intensely emotional um right away or even maybe at all you know it may present differently for them they and you know they're they go through the process they deal with kind of the things that need to happen yes and then like yeah just then nothing nothing happens but okay yeah Yeah, they find another way. They find another road. And I mean, and I think that also is just really varied. I mean, some people do adapt to change differently. I mean, some people have much harder time with change than others. I think sometimes that can also play a role, you know, but um, in terms of how they find that new road way to go down after a loss or a change. Um, But yeah, it's really it's really individual, individualized. And are there things that maybe you kind of look out for, like uh, if someone's maybe experienced uh, trauma or addiction issues or things like that? Or is that is that kind of like a as a therapist, you kind of like to like, I'm going to keep an eye on these things or, or should people personally kind of keep an eye like, oh, I know I've experienced this in the past. I've dealt with it. Here comes grief. Um, Am I going to like have a reintroduction to some of these other things that have happened to me? Oh, for sure. It definitely can trigger, yeah, past traumas that maybe have occurred. And I think, you know, if, if, if that rings true for you, that might also be a time to consult with, you know, a a therapist to talk to them and say, you know, gosh, you know, I've experienced these traumas and tragedies throughout my life. And here's another one. Um, You know, uh, how, how can I best respond to triggers or what can, you know, how, how can I figure this out in a way that's helpful? And certainly, you know, addictions, whether it's to alcohol or substances or food or gambling or shopping, you know, those are all, um, outlets that sometimes we employ to try to numb our feelings because our feelings are so intense and so overwhelming. And so we look to numb them and not have to feel them. However, that can then also lead to other consequences. You know, that 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 could definitely be a helpful scenario or situation to then consult with a mental health professional regarding. I mean, I could just say like, well, if there's ever a time I get to do this, yeah. <laughs> it's here's that moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what about someone like, you know, passing of a parent, you know, and it's like that person's gone and there was maybe, maybe that relationship wasn't the greatest. Oh. And then is there something there that like they're finally gone? Does that release Could it release or does it release other things like maybe stuff that happened during their lives? Oh, my goodness, for sure. 
And I know I've worked with many individuals who've had some really conflictual relationships with parents and then their parents pass away. And then there's this conflicted feeling, you know, because they loved their their parents and they were also very mad at them for whatever reasons. And so, yeah, that becomes a process then. How do you how do you allow both of those emotions to exist at the same time? How do you allow yourself to love your parents and really miss them and really not be okay with what they did, you know, or feel conflicted about how they handled things or how your relationship was with them? Um, Because I think, too, what counseling can help us do is realize that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's usually not all or nothing. It's typically both and. So we're dealing with, I love and miss my dad. But gosh, when he was alive, we could not be in the same room without trying to rip each other's hair out. Um, And that's it's like, yeah, both of those things can exist at the same time. And how do we create space for both of those? How do we honor both of those? Because they're both true. You know, I, I love and miss my dad. And when he was alive, holy moly, it was World War III. Um, yes, both of those are true. Well, and I'm, I'm going to just get back to earlier in our conversation. We were talking about the stages of grief. Yeah. And it's like the, such of those, whatever, there's five of the items. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like how great that there kind of is that broad thing and plug it into that where like, you know, maybe that the anger you're feeling is that, right? you know, so like, not like a perfect checklist, but it it applies. I mean, it it, it works. Yes. I think, right. I definitely think, yeah. So, and I'm not, I'm not a fan of the stages in terms of write that checkbox thing, but I do, I do find it beneficial in terms of allowing for some words for how we're feeling or some kind of labeling of where we're at or how we're feeling, understanding that, and this is what I tell all the people I work with, that these stages are interchangeable, some last longer, some don't happen at all, you may go back and forth between them, you may have other feelings that are not even in these five, but but it does kind of conceptualize or give a framework, especially for some people who really do find it super helpful to have that connection, but um, really Really, I like to let people know that they can all also be happening at the same time. It's not like now I feel denial and now I'm bargaining. No, it's, you know, uh, they can both be happening at the same time. I can love and miss someone and be very mad at them because they didn't take care of themselves when they were alive. They could still be here right now if they just would have done this instead. You know, so I think we can really have those strong emotions all at the same time. And it's it completely is valid. And so when somebody like somebody does come for you to with for for grief, mm-hmm. which you know that's like, and um, I wish we could say there is no stigma about behavioral know. health. I know. <laughs> you know, I know. But like, I'm gonna guess that that it's an excellent gateway for someone to like well here's a legitimate reason for me to go see a behavioral therapist so that gets them in the door gets them in with you but then you're able to find other things that they're probably very excited to talk to you about yes for sure yeah it does it kind of gives them it feels it feels like a safer way to enter counseling rather than coming in to say I'm depressed or struggling with anxiety or or my relationship here isn't working out really well. You know, this is kind of it feels maybe a little more acceptable and OK, um, but definitely. Yeah, I feel like it count, Yeah, counseling can be helpful. Oh, yeah, across the board. And how does it, uh, like, for those who haven't experienced it, like, yeah. do you, like, what do you do? Do you, like, like okay, first we're going to take care of the depression. Then we're going to, like, <laughs> you know, then anxiety, you know, then right. we'll take care of this grief. Or, like, yeah. how do you, like... Maybe give us a little window into the world about how you do your job and how do how do you do that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And so, no, I mean yes and no to all of those things that you just asked. You know, when some <laughs> welcome to the world of behavioral right, right. health. Uh-huh. <laughs> so when someone comes in for the very first time, you know, my first question to them is, "What's going on? What brings you in today?" And they may, you know, they, they tell me whatever it is. It, it may be my, my partner thinks I should be in counseling or, you know, anything. And I'd be like, all right, well, let's talk about that. What's happening for you? What's going on? And we kind of go through what's happening. And so it's very, it's, 
it's informal in that way. And so, and then my question to them by the end of our first meeting is, what do you want to make sure we work on in here? What are we going to do? And so, and a lot of times people, they know, I rarely have individuals will say, I don't know. They'll say, you know, after talking today, I think this is what I really want to work on. Okay. And so maybe it's uh, symptoms of depression related to depression, but, and maybe they also struggle with anxiety, but so it's not, again, it's not, um, checking off boxes. Like if they come in the next time and they're like, I found myself really worried. I'm like, no, <laughs> we're not talking about that right now. We're only talking about depression. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you didn't say that last time. <laughs> you did not say you wanted to work on anxiety yeah, right. last time. So uh-huh. no, back to our plan. Really? Um, you're yeah. kind of forgiving and open-minded. <laughs> yes. Really? So huh, yeah, okay. so they come in and they'll say, you know, I was really worried. I'll be like, all right, let's talk about that. What's going on? Because again, you know, like we talked about earlier, it's intertwined. I mean, we are dynamic beings, you know, that are um, fluid and moving and changing and the experiences we have are different and um, unpredictable. And so counseling for me is to be a safe place to hold whatever it is a person comes into my room with, whatever it is. And we are not prescribed to whatever that is, you know, um, and a lot of times it ends up relating right back to whatever it is we've talked about. You know, rarely does someone come in and it's like, wow, well, this is a completely new different thing. No, it's, you know, it is, it's still a part of all that initial stuff we talked about. And so um, if a person can come into my office and feel safe and feel like what what they have to share and experience is held in a safe way and they leave feeling maybe hopeful, maybe a little more relieved, then yes, that we, we, we did it. We did our, our work. That was good work that day. And if someone, how do you, like, let's say someone's listening to this and they're like, well, hey, this sounds kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing a behavioral health therapist. Yeah. How do they do that? They just call our clinic. If they want to be seen at North Lakes, you call the clinic and they will get you connected with a counselor. Hmm. Wait, it's that easy? It's that easy. Hmm. Excellent. And we offer in-person. We offer virtual. Some people people have anxiety about coming into an office or some people don't have transportation to get to an office or, you know, the ability. So we do. We offer telephone sessions. We offer video sessions and we offer in-person sessions. And you don't have to commit to just one. Sometimes I have people who come in and they're like, you know, next time uh, let's do a a video. Okay, that's fine. Or, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it in a day. Let's switch it to a phone. No problem. So there really is a lot of flexibility in how you access that service, which is, I mean, just so amazing. And and it really gives everyone the opportunity to seek, you know, counseling as they need it. And is there a is there a time limit? Like, okay, we're going to see you eight times. Or I mean, like some people, like yeah. a few sessions, they're good, and then yeah. others, I'm maybe are here longer. Right, and you know, there it there really is not. I'll I'll speak for me particularly. For me, I am here as long as an individual needs it. You know, my job is always to work myself out of a job. I I really want people to feel better and to not have to see me ever again. Um, but that is different for everybody. Some people, yeah, it's three or four sessions and they're like, all right, I feel like I got this. I'm good. And then other people, it might take a little longer. And then sometimes people come back, you know, and people, and I always, when people, when we're, we kind of close out um, our time together, I'll say, if you ever need to come back, you call and you come back and they do. And often they don't need to come back for as long as they had before. The second time they come around, it's kind of like a, we call it a booster. (laughs) I'll go say, we just need a little booster session. And um, then they, they feel better and move on. So counseling too is a very dynamic and fluid type of a situation that's really based on individual needs and there's really no prescribed you know if you're not better in three sessions you're out um (laughs) you failed (laughs) that's the opposite of how i want counseling to feel (laughs) just another thing you couldn't do yeah see well sorry about your luck all right (laughs) yes and um we can include this or not but how do you like what's it like to um 
be a counselor. Like you kind of gather a lot of people's emotions and it's, uh, I, I, I have been working here and yeah. I don't know. I, I used to run the, I, I was the clinic manager at, in Washburn. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I was around it yes. and I, I have friends that work here and do it. And it's, it's a, it can be a, um, a job where you're taking in a lot of people's emotions. Yes. Definitely. And so, right, you have to be aware of that as a therapist, because certainly there are some days that feel harder, you know, um, definitely depending even on what we're uh, depending on what we're going through as an individual, you know, it, it can impact how we absorb the energies of what of the people we meet. But I would say as a whole, I mean, I've been a therapist now for 22 years, and I don't know what I would do different. Different. I like this job is it. I've always wanted to be a therapist. I am. I am, and I'm just so grateful every day I get the opportunity. I don't know what better job there is than a job where people come to you to like share their stories. I mean, stories that they often never tell anyone else. I, I've had so many people say, I've never told anyone this. I've never shared this before. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I get to be that person. I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible, rewarding. I mean, I draw strength from the people that I work with because the amount of strength that those individuals come into counseling with is overwhelming. I can't, um, I mean, I think about that, like going in to talk to somebody about stuff I don't talk to anybody about, and this is a stranger, and I don't know if they're going, how they're going to be, but I'm taking that leap of faith to do that. That courage is like, I don't know. It's inspiring to and, me. I can't. Yeah. People that are, and they've been carrying it for so long. Yes. And like, how strong is that to I be know. able to like, and then to like finally, ah, right. They can come out. in and they just set it down and you just see the physical release of all of that. And it's like, wow, it's just, it's, in, it's so powerful. It's so moving. It's yeah. I, there's just, I don't think there's a word to describe. I bet you say thank you a lot. Oh, I'm going to like to guess. <laughs> I think I, maybe I do. In those I, I mean, you know, I do. You know, that's funny. You said I never thought about it before, but I do. I thank, I thank, I thank all my people for coming in to see me. I thank them all for making time to come in and talk. <sighs> the other thing I'm very impressed about with what North Lakes and all the uh, behavioral health folks, well, and not just behavioral health, everyone, but like the, the amount of, privacy and the concern we take to make sure people feel comfortable that whatever is happening this is we're not blabbing about it in the hallway we're not like getting home and talking about it it like the the amount of care that is taken for that privacy i always admire with my coworkers. that is a really good point i agree i think that is definitely hands down how we approach care here i mean i think we value are um, the clients we work with and we we value and hold sacred their stories and right they don't become fodder and conversation and what else for the building absolutely not i mean we just really yeah we we value and hold our clients to a much uh, higher regard yeah I will say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do also appreciate that you're not the only um, behavioral health therapist in the building. You have coworkers uh, around you that like, so should you be experiencing, uh, you know, trouble? At, not yes. like, how could I help this person? There's other people around that are yes. experienced such as you are so that you're able to maybe get some advice and, and, and help people. Absolutely. Our team meets every week uh, formally for an hour to discuss maybe challenges or how do we help better? What do we do in this situation um, to help each other out? And then, yes, we're all connected at any time. So there are times when I may reach out to one of my colleagues to say, gosh, you know, I'm dealing with this situation. How's the best way for me to help my person 
you know, am I missing something? What else do I need to do? And vice versa. I have that happen as well, too. I'll, you know, get a message, Jen, do you have a second to talk? I really need to consult about what's happening here. And so we all are really just working to making sure we're providing the absolute best care we can. And not just uh, behavioral health, but I mean, we have what we, an integrated sense of care here that we have. There's medical folks here, there's community health workers, and I'm guessing you collaborate with many of them. Absolutely. At our weekly meeting, we do have medical providers and our community health workers join and our peer support specialists join um, those meetings as well, because a lot of times, you know, for some cases, it is a multidisciplinary approach that we need to take um, based on their needs. And so, yeah, for sure, we'll coordinate and say, all right, you know, you have a good relationship with them. Can you connect? They may need some help here. And always, uh, and I'll say, you know, we always keep the client at the center of that, respecting the client's wishes. So my conversations with the client always is, you know, we have community health workers here and I'm wondering if maybe you could benefit from some of their support. What are your thoughts? And so they drive their treatment. And um, I think that's another important aspect that we we keep in place here. You know, um, my clients understand that if they tell me, nope, I don't want that service right now, all right, that's cool. That's fine. I just wanted to let you know we have it. And if you ever change your mind, let me know. And, you know, and then later on down the line, a lot of times they'll say, you know, you were talking about (laughs) earlier. Can I do that now? Um, But yeah, so we always keep our clients at the center of their treatment. They determine the services and resources that they access. And then we also then coordinate and collaborate to help them get those resources. Oh, man. Um, what else? I feel like. Oh, gosh, I don't know. These are really great questions. Yeah, we'll have to do a part two sometime. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I've really um, enjoyed this. I, it's uh, it's like we haven't uh, we haven't met. I mean, we oh. we work together, but this is an organization I'm in Ashland, and I don't know if we mentioned you. You see people in Iron River. Yes. Yes. So I'm a behavioral health therapist here in the Iron River Clinic. Yes. Excellent. Well, one last question I have for you. Um, what's in your car right now? <gasps> what is in my car? Um, uh, a blanket for my dog. Um, at reusable bags to take into the stores, and a cooler. Because <laughs> you never know when you're going to need to keep something cold on the way home. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Well, um, Jen Hodgson, will you say yes. your name? Jen. Oh, Jen Hodson. So the, the G is silent. Thank you. Well, it's You're been welcome. so nice to speak with you. Thank you so much yeah. for doing this. Um, and have a great day. Oh, thank you so much. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. As she just said, Jen Hodson is a behavioral health therapist at North Lakes Community Clinic, Iron River. And I really appreciate her sharing her time with us and for having such a great conversation. Thank you, Jen. North Lakes Community Clinic is a community health center with locations throughout the top third of Wisconsin. Our mission is to respond to the healthcare needs of our communities with an integrated array of quality services and actively remove barriers to wellness. Learn more about us on our website, nlccwi.org, or you can reach us by phone at 888 834 Four five five one. Did you like this episode? Uh, share it with the world. Tell a friend and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. My name is Jeremy Oswald, and it's an honor to be able to have these discussions with my coworkers here at North Lakes. I hope that you enjoy listening to them. Subscribe to the North Lakes podcast so the next one just pops up in your feed. See you then.